morning. It's good to be together this morning. And I always thank the Lord for His new promises on a new day and His faithfulness that He carries us each day. Been thinking about a verse. Um, it's in Second Corinthians. It says that. Uh, let me look it up real quick. I know right where it is. But. Second Corinthians two. says, uh, for uh, this is the intention of God for you, for me. It's for all the promises of God. In Him are yea, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. And it's not that everything that you want, sometimes we interpret that. <laughs> everything that we want is yes and amen. But his intention is that his promises will be fulfilled. That his promises are going to be true and they are going to be revealed in your life. Um, we can be stuck sometimes in our own stuff, right? In our own and look hopeless and forget that God's promise is going to be fulfilled, even in the likes of me, regardless of where I'm at. That is hope, and that is the truth of God to deliver us from wherever we find ourselves in and to bring us into the higher place that he intended from the very beginning. So uh, let's not lose hope in the kind of power in God that we have that is bringing us through difficulty through great places because he has an expected end. He's got an intention for his people. So let's uh, gather this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to be here with us. Thank him for his faithfulness, Lord. Thank you that you, you have uh, food for us, Lord, to, to continue to go on each day, Lord. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Amen. Let's go ahead and gather. Ready?
Good morning. It's one of those mornings where um, all of us were trying to prefer one another to get up here. Some of those attributes that look good aren't always sourced in God. Sometimes there's self-preservation, which seems to be maybe one of the last things to be fully delivered from. Uh, I, I should say this. Um, I, um, the convention was very good. I had a real good time. And um, it, was, it was small. It was probably about 60 people in the week and then maybe up to 75 or so on the weekend. And, um, Anyway, it was, but it was really excellent, and um, uh, also I should say that I stopped to see uh, Andrew and Leo and Siobhan driving down to the convention. I had time on Tuesday, so, and actually ended up being there almost three hours, and, um, and we talked the full time, you know, the whole time, and uh, they had a bunch of questions, you know, about people and things going on here, and and then uh, I got filled in with Andrew and the process he's in and Leo, which she went through, and Siobhan, which she's going through. And they could all use your prayer. Andrew's particularly, he's in his second round of chemo. He's got a very bad uh, prognosis. Um, uh, but, you know, he's uh, very, very upbeat. And I would say very, very much trusting the Lord. And, uh, it, was a, it was a blessing to see them. So the Lord puts it on your heart to pray. And Siobhan also could use prayer. She's in the middle of, you know, decision-making and all the processing of that relationship with Mike. And so anyway, I think that, I think uh, I was um, nudged, I guess, to, to stop in to see them. And I, I called Andrew a couple weeks before I went, and I felt so... It, sometimes it takes you a lot to do something you're not necessarily prone to do. Like, I don't... You know, I, I, some people are much better at this than me. I know I'm not prone to just go visit. I mean, it never generally occurs to me. You know, I, I feel like... I'm challenged enough to love all of you, and so I don't want to make that circle too big so it's overwhelming. <laughs> but I did feel the unction of that, and then, and several times it was confirmed by Hannah. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. It said, have you called Andrew yet? Because I made the mistake of telling her, and anyway. Um, but actually, it was the Lord, really. Uh, it was a blessing. Really, it was a blessing. It was a wonderful exchange. So, the, um, this um, process that every one of us in, is in, and maybe I'll start with a Bible verse in First Peter, but there's a process that all of us are in. And I don't know exactly... Uh, you know, I don't think everybody's at the same stage. I just think we're all at stages... <laughs> And um, all of us are, <clears throat> really what's going on is that there's a, there's a growing 
And I think that's a good word for it, a growing relationship with the Lord. I mean, genuinely growing. Not, not supported by the infrastructure of our place or our, our services or our messages. Or, and I appreciate all those things, trust me. I was thankful for the, this morning and the, and the quietude of the spirit that came through the praise, at least to me. And, um, and I'm very thankful for everything God's provided. But you know, the provision was for the folks in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> Most of them never got the intention of the provision. And, and I think if one, certainly one thing's going on is a deliverance, constant deliverance that you and I be are delivered from our own intention and purpose and delivered into the fullness of God's intention and purpose. And Fabian started out saying, God's intention and purpose will happen. And do you realize you are not big enough to stop that intention. <clears throat> because it seems to me that, I know people give us trouble, circumstances give us trouble. I mean, all that, life happens around people. And that's not just confined to our Christian community, that's in the whole earth. That there are, there's troubles, but really the greatest trouble that I think every one of us face and the greatest unbelief that we come up against is when we look at ourselves uh, outside of <laughs> the, the power of the Spirit of God working, we see how can this be? And we look at, and Jesus promised that it would be impossible. It's just coming to grips with that impossibility sometimes is a painful thing. And, and uh, I think that's <clears throat> where we have the most trouble. But I would like to say this, that you are not a big enough problem to thwart the intention of God. No one in this room is, and with all your difficulties. And um, so there's a, there's a passage in 1 Peter, maybe I'll read that in verse 4. It says, to, uh, uh, 1 Peter. Maybe it's second. I don't know. I think it's first. Oh, it's Second Peter. <clears throat> I wrote first on the top of my page. Chapter one, Second Peter, and it says, uh, "Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us." And I believe that's who I'm talking to today. <clears throat> we have like precious faith. Yes. It's not the same for every one of us, but every one of us has like precious faith because of the work of Jesus Christ. And verse 3, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given us unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you may be, might be partakers or participators of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, through the knowledge of Him, that really, that, if you look that up, it means the full discernment 
full recognition. I just have to tell you, you will not present your bodies a living sacrifice as we preach about so much in Romans 12 if there is not a recognition of who he is. And I just want you to know that Abraham wasn't just having under religious fervor. Richard and I were talking about that briefly when Richard, we were singing a new heartbeat. He said, you know, we used to have, Richard said, this song reminds me of how much religious fervor we used to have. <laughs> we're doing it. <clears throat> but Abraham didn't get up that morning and say, here I am, Lord, when God said Abraham, because he was having some uh, religious fervor moment. Because I've had those moments, haven't you? And made a lot of declarations about myself and who, what I would be. And, and I'm not negative about any of that. But I mean, there, there are things you say as a kid that you remember that embarrass you now. Because as sincere as you were, it just wasn't true. And some of you are upset by that. Read about Peter. I mean, they put, I, I know Peter had a life and a dealing and everything, but I think they put, I think that was put in here for you and me. That we might make some declarations uh, that just, though sincere and though fervent, weren't true. <laughs> and uh, we weren't there, or he wasn't where he thought he was. And, and all of us come through that. That's what growth is all about. And, um, I told you about the guy that called one time. This is a, a, a while ago. He called and he, he said, uh, and I happened to get the call, and um, the receptionist said, can you talk to this man? He wants to move here. <laughs> and so I said, hi, how are you? Yeah, I, I, I really, I want to move there. I, I've read about your community. I don't know where he read about it, but he read about it somewhere. Some of the writings I've seen aren't that positive. <laughs> um, but he, he read about it somewhere. And uh, I said, yeah, there's a Christian community. Yeah, we work together, you know, we have school, we eat together. And uh, generalities. And <clears throat> he said, well, I want, to, you know, want you to know one thing. That I'm not coming there to receive. I have something to offer. And I said, well, don't come. <laughs> I didn't quite say it that blunt. I just said, well, I said, to be honest with you, every one of us has come here realizing when we encounter the Lord, we really don't have anything to offer. Yeah, he did. For he was rich and young and a lord. <laughs> it's just really, it's a response to what God has offered us. And so when Abraham, though I'm sure he had some fervent, you know, anointed moments in, in his journey, when he got to the uh, part where God called him and he said, here I am. He said, take your son and offer him. That wasn't, that was sourced. 
because of something that God had put in him of a relationship. And it was not because Abraham was perhaps so in love with the idea or with the religious experience. But what he came to was an understanding and a full discernment and a full recognition of who God was. And because he came into that recognition and persuasion and full discernment, he knew then that if it had come from God, then he could respond in trust because he'd come into the love of God in a profound way that had taken him on this journey for a number of years. And do you know what the end result of all of our journeys is? Is that we come into full discernment and full recognition of who he is that the response to that is that we put our trust in him and we love him. You and I won't, we won't do what we, we preach about unless there's an ongoing contact and eye-opening and resonance of the God we serve. And there's been so many fabrications of God in the church, right? And in our hearts. Expectations that came out of the human soul that we wanted to paste on God. And surprises. Right? Don't you love the scripture? It says, be not surprised at the fiery ordeal. And we say, okay. And then the fiery ordeal comes, and what happens? What is going on? And I love saying this about Elliot when we, we've been fishing a few times and don't catch anything. And, uh, and the, the last time we were together, we were 15 minutes left. God, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> He's such a committed fisherman. I don't know why I venture to take that guy out because I'm such a disappointment. <laughs> we were casting and casting. He said, Brother David, maybe we could go to another place where they have fish. <laughs> but I loved when he said, why are you doing this to us? Because that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Not about fishing. So God is in the process of bringing us to full understanding and full discernment of him. And if you read, you know, the problem is this. In, if we don't have to return there. But where it talks about the transformation and presenting our bodies in Romans 12, it says you're going to be transformed by the renewing or the renovation. And if you look up that word renewing and renovation, it really it means cause to grow up or make new. I just saw that the other day. Um, and there's a growth, a growing up that's, that's taking place in our hearts. Um, that is uh, the process of being transformed because of the growth that's going on in, in, in our minds and our understanding of who God is. And, and it says in verse 3 of that chapter, it says, and I want to tell you by the grace that's given me not to think of any, that any man is among you, every man, every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And I think that is the deliverance that's going on. That you and I don't consider, you know, I don't consider my own judgments, my own analysis, any of those things higher 
then I ought to, it's got to be in its place. Do I have those opinions? Yes, we do. Of course we do. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to have quiet time to come up with an opinion, right? It just is there. And, and um, what God is doing is delivering us from that perception that I think of myself more highly than I ought to. And, 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 and that expresses itself in a lot of ways. Like when you think for a moment that you are too big of a problem for God to fulfill his intention through you, you are considering yourself higher than you ought to. I'm considering myself higher than I ought to. What we ought to understand, and this is where God is delivering us, that what we look at and what we see could be a full-on lie in comparison to the intention of God for his people. And I would like to encourage you today because God's intention is never, ever, ever going to be thwarted. And he included you in that intention. And it doesn't even matter how you feel about that. He didn't really ask you ahead of time. And even for the kids here, the young, you know, God knew you'd be born in a place like this, right? Mm -hmm. God knew you'd be indoctrinated many mornings with devotions. God knew you would be told in school. God knew you'd have a notebook to, that you had to write notes in from the Word or make pictures before the, the writing. <laughs> Right? How many pictures have, have the kids made? God, aside from the fanaticism of your parents, there is a God in heaven that puts you somewhere on this earth. <laughs> there is a God in heaven that, that made me go to church since I was four. Yeah. So I've been going to church for, geez, over it's over 20 years. <laughs> way over <laughs> I didn't do that and don't blame anybody you can blame God and <clears throat> so don't think of yourself more highly you didn't choose God he chose you and it's a matter of now the renovation that's going on to bring us into full agreement and full persuasion of his intention is above mine. And um, so then if you, uh, I, I, I'm probably going to, I don't know how long I've been talking, but I, wanna, I don't want to be very long. But the, the process that you look at uh, in Job's life, because Job was the most righteous man in the East. And, and he did all kinds of things. And God actually, though, said, this man, I need to grow this man up. And what did he need to grow him up into? Into a relationship where he came into full recognition and full discernment of the God that he thought he was serving. <laughs> because it goes through that whole 42. You know, it takes you to chapter 42. And what is the final conclusion? It's very simple, isn't it? So it took a lot to get there, but it's very simple. He said, Job in chapter 42, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I thought I knew. I was wrong, though. I just didn't know. I uttered stuff that just wasn't right. 
And consequently, I abhor myself. Because I was thinking of myself more highly than I ought to. And consequently, I abhor myself and I turn and I repent in dust and ashes. And what does God say about it? Job has said the thing of me that is right. Do you know what the result of the deliverance is? That you and I say, oh my goodness, his way has always been right for me. Even those painful things that he's had to bring me through. Can I just, I don't believe God's into um, affliction because he has the power to do so. He said, you know, you can read through the the Bible verses. We don't have to turn to him because I will not afflict. What do you mean you won't afflict? Well, he means he does not do anything that isn't necessary to bring me into full recognition, full discernment, full on union and joining in relationship with him. Everything he does is for that purpose. Everything that he does in my life, everything he does in your life is for his intention to be brought forth through you and through me. And so it takes that whole process. But you know what takes all the time, I believe, at least personally, is to get me into the condition where I'm listening (laughs) and where I can wake up. And what happened with Job? He was brought into a condition through difficulty, through pain, right? I mean, all of it. It's pretty comprehensive. It's a bunch of loss, family, health. I don't know. Nothing was left untouched. (laughs) His wife was a problem. Uh, His friends, they didn't have answers, right? What was he doing? He was being stripped down to understand that though he made right choices in life, and there's nothing wrong with right choices, there's consequence to every choice, but right choices are not the answer. Communion with the Spirit of God, impacted by what His work is and what His intention is, is the answer. Because, you know, some children come out and they're just better at making right choices. It's, it's, a, it's a bizarre thing why one does and one doesn't. And uh, you don't know why. Some, you know, I. You don't know why one comes out doing things that they shouldn't. Well, I, actually, John Cheever brought up a good example of the, the man with two sons, and one we call, we call it the prodigal son story, but he said it's not really that. It's, the man with, it's about a father. He said and there's two kinds of sons, right? He said there's a carnal son <laughs> that takes, goes, spends his unriotous living, and then there's a self-righteous son. And both of them are problematic. And Job, when you read through it, he was justifying himself. And he said, God has taken away my rights. Right? 
he's taken away my justice. And um, God had to uncover that. And you know, God has to uncover our intentions, the intentions of our hearts to bring us into his intention. Do you know how privileged you are this morning that you have been contacted by the Spirit of God apart from any decision you made to bring you into this intention that, that is so magnificent and above any intention that's ever been pursued on the earth to bring forth a, a whole new creation, a whole new man to enable you to be a participator, a partaker in a divine nature. The things that God brings us into and through are just to get us into the condition where we would listen. <laughs> Say, Lord, what do you what do you want? What is it, Lord? Job, uh, you know, Elihu comes on the scene. He says, let us choose to ourselves judgment. And I may read a couple verses in Job 34. Verse 5, well, first he says in verse 4, let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. And that's exactly what's going on in our hearts, that you're being exercised to discern, like it says at the end of chapter 5 of Hebrews, to discern, you know, what really good is. For Job has said, I'm righteous. And God has taken away my judgment. And Job was being very sincere in his analysis. And it's a raw picture of what happens, what's in the heart of man. And he was a good man. And I think it's great that God used a good man to illustrate this for us. Verse 23, for he will not lay upon man more than his right that he should enter into judgment with God. It says, when God gives quietness, who can make trouble? When he hides his face, verse 29, who then can behold him, whether it be done against a nation or against a man only, that the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. Surely it's meet to be said to God. I've borne chastisement. I will not offend anymore. That which I see not, teach me. If I've done iniquity, I will do it no more. Um, and then, of course, it gets, you understand, God comes on the scene. Because Job's been brought into a condition of being able to listen. Of being able to be impacted by the Spirit of God. Have you been grieved in your own heart by how many things you've walked by when the Spirit was nudging you? <laughs> Just go right by insensitive to really what God was trying to say to you. And, and that's, I mean, that happens. But, you know, going forward, say, Lord, can you, can you sensitize me to what you're doing? I, I need a greater impacting of, of who you are in my life. That is the indication of, and that is the, the prerequisite of transformation, is that you and I grow up into this relationship that we know who he is and we fully recognize what he's doing is so high and far above everything else that I, I think is important. Mm -hmm. 
God does not look at this life on this earth in the same way that men look at this life on this earth, as though there's some finality or there's some grandeur. Really, God looks at this life as a test of faith. This small, when you think about it. You know, my mom says, I told her it was a milestone that she turned 90. She didn't like that. She said, it's only a number. I said, it's a big number. <laughs> but 90 or 95 or 100 years or whatever, God considers that a small parenthesis of, of, a, of a trial of faith to demonstrate His power that you, as a human, can be so overshadowed and divinely inspired and renovated in your own mind and grow up to the place where you say, Oh God, I am grateful, thank you. I am so grateful that you brought me into a, another intention that's above any intention that I may have ever had. And that you do the things that get my attention about your intention so that I can be in a condition to listen and be impacted by your spirit. You know, God says, you know, John says, keep my commandment. You know, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And, and what's the commandment? That you love one another. And then you find out you can't do it. You can't do it without the impacting power of the spirit of God working on you and in you. And having a good full-on look at yourself and, and coming to that place where you say, I abhor this. I abhor what comes out. Do you know God never degrades? So if something comes out of me that is degrading, it wasn't sourced in God. And God lets that happen. I think, boy, when the anointing of God is working in this place, in all the members, what a beautiful place it is. And when it's not, it's the most wretched place to be. Get away from it. <laughs> but God's intention is that you and I would be, come into this fullness of understanding of who your God is and how worthy He is for you and I to entrust ourselves to Him continually. And it doesn't just happen on a Saturday morning. I, I have Sunday and I have Monday through Friday, Saturday again, Sunday. It's a daily processing of God because I can have a breakthrough today and tomorrow face Lord, I need you again. Because God bring us into this fullness. And you know why? God knows the fickleness of our souls. Right? It was saying at the convention, that song that um, Rustin Myers wrote, Oh, let me love you, Lord, the way that you love me. Like, that's like, I mean, somehow that, I think that came straight from the throne that he got that line. Let us love you, Lord, in turn, in return in the way that you've loved us. That's transformation. And that's where God is taking us. And he has to take us through 
such discomfort to get our attention. If, if nothing else you can say for sure about this age, it's fully distracted. And we all have our little devices and, you know, we sit at a table and people have their phones out. <laughs> it's fully distracted. And God's delivering us from being distracted from his intention. And I think I'm going to read this. Psalm 91, and I think I'll be finished. Because it's a beautiful passage. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall you come to trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day. If you consider when you read this, the reason you're not afraid, it, it means that arrows are flying. It means that there are terrors in the night. It, it doesn't mean that you'll be removed from those things. That's what I thought maybe God was for. To remove me from those things. So that I am sequestered away from. And that is never the way of God. God demonstrates his power in the middle of things. All kinds of things. <clears throat> nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. Nor for destruction that wastes at noonday. Um, because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, nor any plague. He will give his angels charge over thee. They will bear thee up. You'll tread upon the lion and adder. Have you ever wanted to tread on a lion or adder? Brother Bobby told me, I don't know how many years ago it was, Bobby, you went on a big hiking trip with your daughters in the outback of Australia. And if you read about the outbacks of Australia, they have, you know, more poisonous snakes there than any place in the whole, whole world. And I said, Bobby, did you have to consider that? He said, yeah, you had to watch where you walk. <laughs> All he was was effusive about it. time he wanted to go back. He just loved it, you know what I mean? So sometimes I watch these little clips. You can ask my wife. She thinks I'm sick. But I watch these little clips about these people that go out there in those places and they catch them. And they, oh, aren't they beautiful? No, they're ugly. <laughs> and they're threatening. And lions make a big roar. And I told you, I'm sure we were on our honeymoon, if you can imagine, over 30 years ago. On our honeymoon, we went to a zoo. And we walked by this caged lion. It was up on a place and it was caged. And just as we were walking by, it roared. And the ground shook. And being the great protector, in those days, of course, Hannah and I, when we walked together, we always held hands. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
And we were holding hands. And I just about broke her hand. My cover was blown. She was going to have to protect me. <laughs> if you put under the roaring lion, if you put under an adder, it's because you encounter them. You don't put them under without encountering them. And God orders the encounter. So you'd say, Lord, uh, I have no capacity. But Lord, through you, in you, inspired, anointed, influenced by your spirit working in me, hiding myself in you. I can put my foot on those things. We understand we're in a time where we have great and precious promises, but what he said to Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 3, it says, every place that you put the sole of your foot is yours. And that's what's going on. <laughs> he says, put your foot down. Put it down. I want to show you that you can walk in newness of life. Okay, let me get through this. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Be encouraged this morning, would you? You're not too big for God's intention. You can't, you can't have no capacity to thwart it. Continue to allow the Lord to deal with you. <laughs> Say, Lord, I want to get that right kind of mind. That trust what you're doing is what is right for me. So God help us. It would be, take courage. Take courage. So God told Joshua. And courage sometimes is only meaningful because of the Niagara of discouragement that you could come under. And so he says, take courage because of my intention for you that I'm bringing you through. Amen. Sister Adele set me up with lunch with the young folks from 
Mexico, all of whom I've known since they were like this high, lovely kids that go back with a spirit of love from Shaloni, with one exception, and that was Josue, who came up here for the first time uh, with, with them. He's a neighbor's son. And I mentioned the title of that book to them. So I said, well, uh, what is the beginning? If the, if the world is ending, what, what do you think the beginning is? And I could see the wheels turning as I looked around this little table here. And it got real quiet for a little while. And then one spoke up and said, well, that's the kingdom of God. And that girl has a vision of where this is going. And throughout the message this morning, what Fabian said, what David said, the thing that kept ringing in my ears was the zeal of the Lord will perform this. That comes out of Isaiah 9, I think. Well, you know, rest assured, this the old Lord is going to perform this. And that girl, when she said that, inspired me. I mean, she ministered to me. And she said, the kingdom is coming. Amen. It's coming. And those young people see it. And all you young people out there, join with them. You know, they're coming out of this youth camp with a vision of the kingdom coming. And it inspires me. And it gives me hope that if I pass on, God is not gonna let that go. He's gonna hang on. And uh, thank you for the word this morning. I'm inspired, how about you? I'm glad I came this morning. Wasn't scheduled to come. I didn't think I would come. But um, I must have needed it. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a very solid line. That God's purpose and his intention is going to be fulfilled in us. And I was thinking as David was speaking about the life of Joseph. I mean, I kept... And how time and again, you know, like it... It, it, you know, the things that he went through when it seemed like this was the end, like this is, this is impossible. You can't, get, you can't get to there from here. And that's how it is with us. Like, it seems like his purpose is really to bring us to failure. Like, I never like the guys. I, I don't like the guys that can do it either. But the, when you lift weights, you know, you really get the benefit when you go to failure. Like, you cannot... Who wants to create that kind of a scenario? Like you intentionally do it, but that's really where where God is taking us. But um, you know, when His brothers were brought before Him and they were in fear and trembling, you know what He said, um, Joseph, that is. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring to pass, and that's to bring to pass. He's going to bring it to pass. You know, you would have meant it for evil, but, but God meant, meant it for good. To bring to pass 
as it is this day to save much people alive. And that word meant, one of the Hebrew meanings really is purpose. Like, it, what, his purpose. And it took all those things in Joseph's life, you know, seemingly impossible situations for, for, for God to bring him to the place where he was resolved that whatever it takes, God's going to have his way. And I, you know, we, we um, every one of us, I mean, I, my wife and I were talking about this, just most everybody is facing something. Just the, the level of intense warfare and battle. And, and evidently, God is behind it. He's allowing it, you know, to, to uh, work his purpose in us. But it doesn't feel pleasant. It's like I was thinking, you know, it's no secret. Like, I can feel like Elliot, I guess. Like, why God? And it's always a dangerous place to ask those questions. Like, why God? You know, I'm in the middle of dealing with my brother. It's like the why God to me in a way. Not, not Ron. <laughs> At times, no. But um, this is just constant. It's like, and I, uh, I'm always cautious because somehow stuff gets back to my brother. And it's like it's in Pennsylvania. I don't, I don't know how it gets there. <laughs> but I'm in the middle of this is just... Almost daily, stuff comes up, and it's like, well, well I, I can't believe it. How much different my life would be without this? You know, I think you think of you. You have the same scenario, whatever it is. How much different you think your life would be without this thing in your life? But that's the, the very thing, evidently, that you need to bring you and I to the point where we can say, like Joseph, you know. God, God meant it for good. And I'm in the middle of this, and then I get a call from Mark. Now, if Mark's listening, I say this for, his, for prayer. Like, you know, it's like his, his, what he's going through trumped what, <laughs> what I deal with in a way. You know, it's like there's always somebody that is going through something in our midst here. Not out there, but I mean here. You can think how bad it is, and you, we can compare conflicts, right? And yours is not as bad as mine. Does whenever it is yours, it's significant. Right. I mean, I'm looking at a family situation here. It's like, you know, you, you, I know you would think at times I would trade in it. We would trade. You compare. We would trade. But I know at heart you would not. And that's power in that. But let's, let's be careful not, not to compare tests, I guess. And understand that the, the thing that you're dealing with, that you're faced with, that appears to be meant for harm, the snakes, whatever, evil, that God really is meaning it for good, and that intention is going to have its course in our lives. So let's take confidence in that, let's stay the course.